Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited about this interview that I just got done recording with Jeremy Pryor. He put words and language to so many, I guess like deep down desires and feelings that I have regarding wanting to be a, hus- a husband and a father and just a man that, that lead well within the context of the family unit. Uh, And so I'm so excited about what he's doing at FamilyTeams.com. Jeremy's the co-founder of FamilyTeams.com. He and his wife live in Cincinnati and uh, have five children that are all working together uh, within this amazing vision for just having a great impact working together as a family. Again, I want you to listen to this because I, I have a hard time explaining how impactful it was when he just used the right words to give me this new vision for how I can lead my family, how I can speak to my children and have this multi-generational vision that gets me so fired up for the day. Um, so yeah, check it out. We're going to link all of the resources below. They uh, Right now, there's like this awesome calendar that Family Teams has that's great for the holiday season, but they've got multiple books and courses and uh, free products and paid products that you can find at FamilyTeams.com. So to be sure, be sure to check those out and you can find Jeremy Pryor on Instagram and you can find him on Twitter. So we'll link those below as well. Um, but with that said, hey, one more thing, of course, one more thing, of course, of course, of course. If you enjoy this podcast, please take the time to maybe leave a rating or a review. We would love, that means so much to us. You've you've all been so good to, so many of you have been so good to take the time to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. So thank you for doing that. If you watch it on YouTube, maybe hit the like or subscribe button. We would love that as well. But I think that's pretty much the last thing I have to say before we jump into the interview. So enjoy. But now that we're a family podcast. All right, Jeremy Pryor, thank you so much for making the time to hop on here and uh, and talk with us today. I'm thoroughly excited. I've heard a lot about you and your organization, Family Teams, familyteams.com. And it wasn't until just this week that I really started looking deeper into what you guys are doing. And I was blown away with how much of the language you guys use really like put, it puts words to like some goals, desires, and sentiment that I have, which I've never, in a new way, like I've never seen done before. Um, so I'm really excited to hear how that kind of came about and what the origin story is of that. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into all the details, but for our listeners, for myself, would you be willing to kind of give a brief, you know, a brief origin story as to how you, how you came to be you and your wife, you know, your own family and how you came to leading families? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on in this election. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. This is, uh, yeah, I, I, so I grew up in the Seattle area uh, mm-hmm. and there, <clears throat> I think the thing that really kind of struck me as I was younger about family was just how broken it was. I, everyone I knew virtually on my street or, you know, that, that wasn't necessarily a part of our like, you know, sort of small Christian community. It was just broken family after broken family. And it had looked like family was just an experiment that had gone off the rails. Like, what, why are we doing this? Um, and so I, I, I can say that I never saw this as a, as something that was, I was excited about or something I had much hope for. Um, and, uh, and there was a lot of talk about community and, you know, like, like almost alternative ways of, of having, you know, good, stable relationships. But family just felt like the the last place to look for for that mm. in, in the kind of 
world that, that I, I was familiar with. And then I had I was kind of plucked out of there and I was doing a semester abroad in Jerusalem. And I saw in Jerusalem um, so many fathers with children like that. That it was it was so remarkable to me from the time I got on the plane to to the months I spent just sort of like like getting to know different families and just seeing the culture. And I, it was at first very confusing to me. Like, why are these guys having so many children? Why are they so interested in fatherhood? And, um, and so as I began to just ask the question, um, the, the answer that kept coming back was Abraham. Like they saw Abraham as a model father. And, uh, and I never thought about that. And it was weird for me because I actually, I was in, I was in seminary at the time. And the, and the semester before I had studied Abraham as a, as a, a way of, of interpreting the Torah. And mostly it was by contrasting Abraham as a, as a character of faith with Moses as a character of, you know, sort of foot fixated on the law. That was kind of how we were studying the two characters. I'd never thought about studying Abraham as a father. Um, and, you know, Jesus calls him father Abraham in that parable with Lazarus and the rich man. And it, and I, I think that, that there's something just seemed like it was missing within the Christian culture. Like we didn't know like how to view um, a model for, um, for family from the Hebrew scriptures. And so I started to just imagine, okay, I, what, what if I did sort of take seriously the perspective that Abraham had on family? Um, Cause so many of these families were taking it seriously and they, they were so fruitful. And I was trying to, you know, what was it that Abraham, how did he view family? And the, the thing that, you know, stands out to you about Abraham's vision for family is that he was obsessed, I think it's fair to say, with the idea of multi-generational family. Like he, he was constantly discussing with God the future of his multi-generational family. And God even revealed to him what was going to happen in 400 years. And then, you know, even Jesus, when he came, he said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. There was a continuity that Abraham had with his future descendants that you see coming straight through the, the, all the Hebrew scriptures and straight into the new Testament. Um, and, and I began to just play around with that idea. Like, okay, is that how God sees family? Like, like, okay. Or is that just Abraham's like primitive cultural tribal way of viewing family? Like what, 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 how, what is in God's heart when he imagined this idea? Um, because, uh, we have an idea of family in our culture in the, in modern Western culture. And I began to like, kind of sort of just summarize that, that vision of family as a springboard for individual success. Like a good family is one in which all of the children launch off. And, you know, it's like we use the nest metaphor. They all fly the nest, they leave, they set up their own families. We don't know who are, I, I could not name my great grandparents. They're not relevant to the way we think or live in our culture. Uh, we don't think about family in those terms, but, um, in, what was in God's heart? And you see all these genealogies in the, in the Hebrew scriptures. You see this obsession of the patriarchs with their multi-generational family. And I, I think the best sort of vision we get for what family was originally designed to be was in Genesis 1, you know, where God makes the first family and tells them to be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth and subdue it and to rule. And so he gives, he gives them a job and he doesn't give it to a corporation or a nonprofit. He gives it to a family. He gives them a job that's so big they couldn't accomplish without the generations, and they have to do it together. And so the way we would sort of describe God's sort of vision for that original family was a multi-generational team on mission. They had, they had, a, they had something they had accomplished. I can't, it's hard to understate 
how different that vision is from the springboard for individual success. Yet, I don't think the Christian church has grappled with the incredible difference between these two ideas. Like, they're radically different. So that it was kind of facing the different, these two different ideas and really trying to understand which one was in God's heart. And then for me, it was like a very much like a, a decision I made. I was like, I don't believe that God designed a family to be a springboard for individual success. I believe that God designed family to be a multi-generational team on mission. And all of these things um, really began to emerge in my own heart as a father when I began to think about family that way. Hmm. That is so cool. I can definitely relate to hearing so many exhortations from the pulpit about pouring into your community, about, you know, so many of the church's mission being needing to be exercised within the church body. Um, yet I didn't hear the language to build up the family, like what you're using now. And that's so encouraging to me because I think that I had seen maybe if there is two you know, kind of stereotypes, there would be the individualistic pursuit of maybe ministry or career, whether that was, you know, it seemed like a spiritual pursuit or a secular pursuit, whatever you want to call it, very individualistically driven, or growing up in a big family that was in a homeschool community, a very inward-focused, family-centric community where, yes, they did have healthy children, they did have a healthy marriage, but there is not much vision beyond that. And what I'm hearing you're, you saying is that, yes, be centered and focused on the family for a, for a bigger mission that God has given us. Is that, is that true? Yeah, I think that's, the, I think that's a really good way to, to see it. The family is an entity that's designed to be productive and to do things in and through the home. You know, probably the most helpful framework for like making that distinction, if you've heard, like I think Mike Breen was the one who first talked about um, these three ideas that that you can believe like a lot of a lot of our kind of Christian culture has family and mission, which is sort of like there's two different um, ways of thinking. So when I'm on mission, I'm not with my family. I'm an individual. So that's where you get the sort of pastor who neglects his family or the missionary um, who doesn't see the relevance of his family to his mission. Then you have family as mission, which is sort of like these families who go on a retreat uh, from the culture. They don't have any vision for how to actually address the problems of the world. They just want to create a beautiful family or a functional family um, while, you know, the, the, the world kind of gets worse and worse. And then there's family on mission, which is really what I, I see in Genesis 1, which is the, the family is the vehicle through which you do mission. Um, and so that, that, that's how I would, yeah, how I, I would see the way that I think was in God's heart for, for how to think about family. That's great. And I think I've read an article that you wrote um, where you really broke this down practically, and I loved it. You kind of gave some ideas that are so different from how culture thinks, even getting to how we choose our careers. You know, when you're maybe when you're going to college or if you're a newlywed, having this vision for family that helps you decide what am I going to be doing for income for, and that's, it sounds like, again, I want to hear, because it sounds like you've made some of those decisions for yourself. Um, you, you mentioned earlier you, that you've got some businesses, you're entrepreneurial. And was that something that you kind of discovered as you went, or were you really intentional from the beginning of starting out in your family um, that you wanted to make career choices centered on that? Hey, everyone, I wanted to take a quick minute to let you know about the first ever now that we're a family program that was created exclusively for men. So if you're a man or if you're married to a man that has a desire to grow 
in areas pertaining to faith, um, marriage, leading their family, growing in their capability of earning financially, growing in their physical health. The Growth Initiative is probably the program for you. And it's launching in January 2022, but we're starting the sign-up waiting list right now. So if you go to nowthatwe'refamily.com forward slash growth initiative, you can join the waiting list. And there's some are, there, there are some huge benefits to being a part of like the early bird waiting list because we're going to have some bonus material that's only available to that waiting list. So you won't want to miss that. So go over to, actually, you know what, you should probably just click the link in the show notes. That's the easiest thing to do. But if you don't want to click the link, you can go to nowthatwe'refamily.com forward slash growth initiative, get on that email list, and we're going to be letting you know about the launch of the growth initiative, which you will not want to miss. How did that, how did that look? Yeah. Well, I, I was kind of taught, um, uh, by a mentor of mine, kind of this, he did it kind of subtly and it was extremely helpful to my, to my spiritual development, but his career advice was very much like, business is kind of, you know, dirty. If you really want to make a difference for the kingdom, you should go into ministry full time. And, um, and so I, I just saw this very dualistic way of seeing, seeing work. Uh, and, and so I did go into ministry and, and kind of got trained for that for a number of years. So I was working in, in church ministry for about eight years. Um, but as I, I just began to, began to see God sort of calling us out of that. And I didn't have any skills and, you know, and so we kind of started our first business by accident. Um, but, uh, I got, I really got to see a totally different way of in which, uh, the way that your career path does impact the kind of family you usually end up creating. Um, so our first business, we, we sold, um, half of it to an investor. And I remember, um, you know, sitting in boardrooms with him and he had three sons that were one, I think was in his twenties. The other two were in his thirties and they were all working in this, you know, in, in this man's, um, sort of business, uh, various business entities that he had purchased. So we were one of many companies that that family, that particular family owned. But one of these was really interesting to watch. Um, and it, this family really came from nothing. I mean, this was very, uh, they started from scratch with, with this, this man, his, and, and while we were in these board meetings, he was constantly teaching his sons about, you know, giving them lessons about business, about like, okay, this is when we need to do this, this is how we can get involved. Let's, you know, read these documents and figure out how to help the company grow. And, I had this realization during one of those board meetings that this man was spending more time with his, his sons in their thirties than most men spend with their kids when they're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that, that's a decision you can make at a fairly young age as to which one of those trajectories is likely. And that if you work in a typical career, then usually your peak earning happens in your late forties, early fifties, mid fifties, and that's when you really need to put in the time. That's when you really get the biggest um, benefits from all of the time you put into the career. Uh, and so the problem with that is that that's from a multi-generational family perspective, that's when your children are in their, you know, mid twenties or late twenties when they're beginning their careers and beginning their work life. And so oftentimes what you have in a multi-generational or in a, in a typical Western family, is the father can't engage with his kids. There's no way for them to work with their dad. They have to, you know, work somewhere else. And um, and so uh, and and that's normal. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But from a but when if you get to choose, uh, no one ever told me that 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 was the decision I was making when I was choosing career paths. Mm-hmm. That if we own the business or and we 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 
control the business through the family, then at least my children have the option. I don't, I don't believe that it's ever healthy to force your kids to work with you. But I think if you, to have the option to work with your kids, that's a, that's incredible, you know, to be able to work as a team and to see this that passed down and to use all of that time that you would spend in work that in double that time in, in building up your relationships uh, as a family that in the gospel, do we have the, you know, the resources to have healthy relationships through family and, and work together. There's sort of a narrative that people believe today, which is, you know, if you bring productive work in, into the home, whether that be ministry or business, it's ultimately corrupting. Um, and it, you know, we don't have the resources in the gospel to actually have good relationships and do productive work. Um, and we, there are a lot of horror stories because if you don't, you know, the gospel does have to work. If it doesn't, you are in trouble, but man, I, I really believe we do have the power in the gospel to, to have good relationships and to do productive work together. So, so that, that vision started to become more and more exciting to me. And, um, and so we've decided to really lean into that as a family. Let's build assets and resources in and through the home. Let's engage, you know, our friends and family in those endeavors and, uh, and be in a situation as our kids are getting older, where if, if they want, we can be working together as a family. Wow. That's, so inspiring to hear. And I feel like I've been a blessed recipient. My dad owned multiple businesses growing up and I spent my teenage years working in my young twenties, working in one of his coffee shops that he owned. And then I spent two years, you know, a few years back, um, working with him in one of his real estate companies. And it was such an amazing opportunity and to be able to grow in that relationship with him where we, we were every day of the week sitting down and talking business, talking shop, um, while at the same time, he was building me up in my faith and family values. And, and so that is a real thing. I've been on the other end of that, been the son of somebody that had a you know, multi-generational vision for, for business and for family. And I can certainly say it's a, it's an, a tremendous blessing um, to, be, to be in that position. That said, you know, not everybody maybe has the opportunity right now. Maybe they don't even consider themselves entrepreneurial. Uh, maybe they don't, they don't even have a desire what do you see people doing or what are things that they can do if they've got maybe what we would consider more conventional career, you know, a, a job um, where they can create kind of this multi-generational thinking? Maybe it's through a side business. Maybe it's not through any business at all. But what are some things that you encourage people to do? Um, I, I think how you make your money is can be very diverse. So you can do it through careers, do it through jobs. The thing that I believe is more universal that every family should consider if they want to be multi-generational is over the course of your lifetime, will you be building assets the family owns? I don't think that that's entrepreneurial. I don't think that's about career. I think that's just wisdom. And the Proverbs say that. Um, and so what, what I would encourage every family is if you've got a great career and it's, you know, you can live under your means, then begin to build you know, income producing assets that can be owned by the family. That is something every family can do. Um, you know, and that, that's a goal that every family had. And that, in fact, that's a goal every family did have 150 years ago. I mean, what built America was basically the flood of immigrants who all had the same vision. We want to own assets as a family. We can't do it in our, in the, you know, the old world. You know, all the, all the, all the land is owned by, you know, these aristocrats. Let's get to America. Let's risk everything so our family can own assets. Like that, that's just a basic, that's just a basic kind of story that I think we've lost. Um, and, you know, it's and so we think that that it makes sense for us to endlessly, um, you know, endlessly deal with the problem of needing 
to pr provide for our family through relying on people outside our family. Um, oh. It's understandable to do that for, for seasons or as opportunities where there's really great income streams. But as a, as a 20, 30, 40, 50 year strategy for multi-generational family, it's not a great strategy. I mean, we can say that pretty objectively. So that's the one thing I would say is universal. Um, but when it comes to like, if you, the issue of course is not really about money, it's about time. Um, and, and so it all really does come down to whatever career you have, how much of your family is going to be integrated into it? How much time does it take? And so obviously if you're working 80 hours a week in a job in which you cannot integrate your family in any way, then that is going to have a hugely negative impact on your ability to build a multi-generational family, especially as your kids get older and uh, as, as that opportunity to be a team uh, begins to wane. Um, and, so, and so what I say to guys is like, yeah, be, make sure that you're careful with the hours you're spending at, at work. Um, if, there, if you have a career that allows you to integrate your family, that's a huge bonus. Like find creative ways to do that. If you're going on a business trip, can you take one of your kids with you? Like, like we, we have this conversation constantly as um, within family teams, we have a, a group of guys that, that we, we coach. And so there's a constant, like we call it experiments and integration. Like we talk about what are the practical elements of your job and are there other ways in which you can, you can involve your family uh, practically. Um, and, and so there's also a trajectory over time. Um, are you like, I have a friend of mine who has a really, um, has a really great corporate job and they, and they, he was, in a process of them wanting to promote him into a new job that was going to go from you know 40 hours a week to like 60 hours a week it was going to be a pay increase um, but it's kind of the, the typical career path and he decided not to take the promotion you know and said no i'm making i'm living below my means we're creating we're creating a you know i'm able to work a fixed 40 hours i'm saving a lot of money um, for our multi-generational family assets I can see that by the time I'm 50, I won't even need this job if I continue uh, on this trajectory. And he was the only person that anyone that, you know, that area of the company had ever heard of that didn't take that promotion, you know. But those are the kind of decisions you make if you mm. want to build a multi-generational family. The, the career path of more and more hours, um, and then you just continue to ratchet up your lifestyle over time and never invest in assets and never get control of the means of income into the family um, those are really, those are really dangerous decisions yes. uh, and they're all promoted and they're all uh, celebrated by the culture. And so we need to push back on that. Um, hmm. there's a, hmm. that's so good. Yeah. I think of an, another example. Um, one of my, he's a cousin, but he's, he's older. He's, you know, about 10, 15 years older than me. And he was very entrepreneurial, but it was actually his business that he felt like was the biggest hindrance from him pouring into his family and he felt like he could do better going back to school um becoming a nurse where he had a great schedule the type of nurse he became where he and then now so this was you know eight years ago he feels like he's got way more time now to pour into his family and he's not stopping the long-term thinking of building an asset he's now putting resources into investment properties or what have you thinking long term um, and i think that's an example of how it can look different potentially, but with the same vision and the same goal. The, vi the, the value in both those stories is time. Mm. The problem is time. A lot of people that start their own business, they, um, they, they sacrifice, you know, um, having one boss for having a hundred customers and working 80 hours a week and being even more stressed. So you have to see a pathway to getting control of your time. Mm. That's, and, and that pathway has to increase over the decades. That's really what we're looking for. And so, yeah, there's lots of entrepreneurial paths that don't go that direction. 
right. but that doesn't help. That's, That's so, so cool. You know, you mentioned something just a minute ago that you kind of coached some men, and then you were mentioning before we recorded that you've got um, a, new, a program coming out. I think it's called Family Inc., and, and uh, again, tell me if I'm wrong, this might not be anything related to what we're just talking about, but is this the type of thing that could help people with, cause this might be, uh, it's so fun to talk about the stuff to think about it, but getting down to the nitty gritty, you know, taking that first step, is this something that could be helpful for people? Yeah. I, so it's the number one question we get at family teams is okay. We we're totally bought in. We want to create a multi-generational family. We've chosen career paths where uh, we are going to be working more and more hours, the older we get. Um, we want to make a transition. We don't know how. We'd like to like, start to invest in an asset, even if it's a 10 or 20 year glide path. And how do we do that? Like we're not entrepreneurial by nature. And to me, um, a diligent family with an entrepreneurial coach can probably outgrow a business than, than a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so we need to, in the kingdom of God, begin to offer a lot more robust coaching to families that want to go on this trajectory. You know, and so I, I do get to coach a lot of families and have done it over the years that want to go in this direction. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to hopefully offering this to a lot more people. Um, and, you know, I, I, I meet with guys all the time who have, you know, do, who are not entrepreneurial by nature, but started five or 10 years ago in a business. They, they had the right framework for thinking about what they, their family needed. They found an opportunity that was tremendous. They got involved. Five or 10 years later, there, I managed to have a conversation recently with the guys like, I, I could probably work 10 or 20 hours for the rest of my life and I'd be, we'd be great as a family. We'd own assets, we'd have control of our time. Um, and and he, he could show a lot of people how to do that. I mean, there's there's a lot of pathways to, to getting this done. It's There's always risks involved in anything entrepreneurial. You have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to take some risks. You can't be so risk averse that, that you're not willing to work for free for a while to hopefully um, see the possibility of getting control of an asset. Uh, but that's the, I, I, renting out your time for money endlessly um, as a solution for building, um, building a multi-generational family is, uh, is usually, you know, uh, comes with serious problems into the future. Um, and so we want to, most of us live in extremely wealthy countries that, that, that whose tax structures and investment structures favor entrepreneurialism to an incredible degree and we, we aren't teaching this to kids in college or in in high school um, and so we need to start to help other families we need elders to step up and start coaching um, young men particularly who are leading families how to think about money in a way that will set their family free so that we can spend our time you know that excess time making disciples being on mission for the kingdom of god um, th there's so much at stake here and because there's just not that kind of uh, coaching and thinking and and help being given. Um, in fact, like I said, a lot of the kind of um, messaging that we give to young young fathers, in particular, um, from the Christian community, is is, is can be very counterproductive uh, for the long term um, effect of the kingdom. You know, that it, ways that that will cause them to potentially neglect their children uh, for the sake of very short term gains in the kingdom. Um, and, and so we, we have to get over this and start to really present a narrative that, and, and these narratives aren't that complicated. Um, they're, they're, they're very possible to. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, our culture loves titles and it's, I found it being entrepreneurial myself. One of the, one of the costs of being entrepreneurial is you, your title doesn't make very much sense to people. You know, when you meet them at church or you meet them at a dinner party, um, and that can be an, a hindrance, you know, and I, and I think that, like you said, it, 
when you've got a bigger mission beyond your pers- your individual title for your 40-year career or whatever you have it, you don't care necessarily how how the world what they call you, you know, if they if you've got a side hustle, if you're entrepreneurial or if you're a business owner, you really don't care cuz the mission is so much bigger than that. And and I think that that's something that my wife and I were just talking about this the importance of having like a family mission statement, a, a direction that we're going. And I don't know if that's something that you guys speak to. Um, but that I, I realized I, I loved family. I have this heart for family, but what does that look like? You know, it's so good to keep this big picture. Like how can you then define a mission statement where you can get more specific and, you know, I guess starting to create roles within that, within that mission statement. What does that look like? I'd love to talk about the mission statement. I also want to just say, I, I agree hundred percent. We are, we are constantly playing status games at the expense of our families. You know, it's, it's being a father is good enough. Mm. Like, and you're not going to find a, a higher title. Amen. And I, what I encourage guys to do is, is you put on that father hat when you go to work and that's the most important thing. And, and if we, as men, especially as Christian men would get around each other and, and really see that as a high status, as opposed to whatever you could achieve out there that whatever accolades people want to give you in order for you to work harder for their families. Um, I, I think that that's, that's a really important distinction. And we, we don't ever take that father hat off. When we go to work, we go to work for our families, not primarily to gain status. And so I do think that that's a massive trap you're describing there. And I think it's really what it really gets a lot of men who otherwise could, um, could give so many more, so much more of their time and so much clearer of a vision for, for, for the kingdom through their family. Uh, but yeah, if you look at any team, one of the most challenging things for families to figure out when it comes to like why they need to come, come up with a mission statement is because we don't know what it means to score. And that, and that makes team life as a family very difficult. Mm-hmm. So what makes it, what makes watching like football or uh, any sport really, really fun is that the mission is so clear and the teams can just throw themselves with such abandon at the mission that it, it becomes very exciting to be a part of, you know, when you're scoring, you know, when you're winning, you know, when you're losing, um, that is intoxicating. And so I, I think that that, but when you come to family, you're like, what, what is the game? Like, how do we, how do we score? Like, what, what does it look like for us to, um, and so th- that, that, that really makes us, that really kind of erodes the ability for the family to function like a team. And so um, companies figured this out a long time ago, you know, so companies are like obsessed with like, they'll send, you know, their highest executives, highest paid people off for, you know, days and weeks to, to like work on mission statements. And, you know, you can look at this as fluff, but man, the, 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 we've seen the results in the business world. I mean, it ch- transforms things radically. You can begin to see a, a business uh, transform from, from, you know, being sort of backbiting on a really, you know, sort of co- toxic culture to a team culture that works together and functions well and believes in what it's doing. It's, it's good for the world. Um, and, and so that there's a lot of power in taking what these, all these abstract activities and boiling it down into some kind of mission statement. So, yeah, we, we believe, and one of the things we, we've done with family teams is we do um, an event called the Family Teams Weekend where we just take people away for a weekend and basically work on three things. We work on their mission statement so they can, can become a team. We work on their weekly rhythm so they can balance all of the crazy competing demands of, of the, the life of a family. And we help them design a particular kind of family meal so they can begin to unfold the generations. Um, those are, those are three tools we think are very basic to forming a family team. But I, I think a, the mission is a, is a critical one to, to, to work on. That's so, you're so right. 
it's so easy to get behind a team when you know what the goal is, the desired outcome is. And then it's so much, it's so easy to track progress when you know what the goal is. And like you said, we figured I, I do this for my business. I take a, at least one full 20 or you know 12 hour day per quarter to plan out the next quarter. And then I, my wife and I try to spend at least a couple hours every week, just solidifying the goal for business and, and for those things. And yet, and so because of that, you can then measure backwards and you can say, Hey, we hit these benchmarks and we're making progress in the right direction. And I found it's like, when you know what you, where you're heading, like 30 minutes of work where that's where you know where you're going is so much more productive than like a week's worth of work where you're just kind of like throwing stuff, you know, at the wall, seeing what sticks. So that I really am motivated to do that for our family. And I can see how that would have a profound impact on any family that takes deliberate time to figure out what their family mission statement is. You know, I love how you talk about being like very intentional and choosing careers um, around, and that's so much easier to do when you've got a clear family, you know, mission statement, you can say, okay, this supports this or it doesn't support it. You know, you can really, I think clearly be objective in saying that, but then there's other things that I've heard you speak to that again, secular and Christian culture alike seem to just kind of adopt as being normal. You know, your kids need to go to this school. They're going to play these sports. They're going to be on that team. But I love that when you've got a clear family mission statement, you can then say, okay, does my child at this age being on this sports team support what the ultimate family mission is and then make what my people might see as a radical decision to, you know, to take your kid out of orchestra or to take your kid out of little league, whatever, whatever the things are and to, and then to shift. But that's so much easier to do when you know what the clear mission statement is. What are some other things that you think we maybe take for granted as Westerners, you know, sports, school, music programs, you know, even youth groups, church things that they might not be helpful to the family team, but yet we just adopt them and accept them as normal. It does celebrate the individual way above the family. Virtually everywhere we go, we, ex we break down the family into its individual parts. And so, um, so whether that's church or, you know, shopping uh, or now even TV programming or sports, um, all of those things are designed to say, okay, like, what, what, what do you as an individual desire? And then, and so it, it becomes hard to have even more than two children, because if you're constantly trying to figure out how to, um, how to accommodate their, them purely as an individual, and want to give them everything as an individual, um, then the pie just gets cut up in smaller and smaller bits if you get more kids and Okay, well, I guess I can't. I guess, you know, if I if we had less kids, we could we could you know we could uh, send our kids into more sports. But now we got to sacrifice their individual development because we've got this large family. Um, that that that's a real dead end. I, I I agree with what you're saying. I I I see it as um, you have to totally flip the narrative from like we're trying to build up individuals to we're trying to construct a team. And then when when every single time a new team member comes on a team, you you don't all go, oh, we have a new team member. Now we all have to sacrifice. No, no, no. The team gets to score more. It's like better. That's but awesome. Yeah. The problem is you have to you have to look at each of those areas that you 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 mentioned, like church, school, sports, every area, and ask, is there a team version of this? And and I and I really think there is for almost everything except for um, we just don't we don't value it, and so we haven't constructed it. So like for in our family, you know we've We've invested much more heavily in sports that are team oriented, you know, so we did tennis for a season, 
um, as a as a full family. It took coaching, you know, that way. Then we did three years of Taekwondo. You know, we went, I went into one of these uh, Taekwondo studios, and and the um, and the instructor there was able to like have a class just for our family. So we had eight of us. You know, uh, had private lessons for three years, and um, and and got to experience that as a family team. And then in the last you know few years, we've gotten really into pickleball, which is another great family sport. Uh, but yeah, we we tend to to just downplay sports that force the kids to be in same age groups mm-hmm. and not work together ever. You know, where we have to constantly divide the family and split us up into those you know the different constituent elements. And so yeah, when it comes to business, sports, church, all those things, schooling for sure. Um, we, we try to figure out if, if there are ways to do it as a family. Um, and there are times where one of our kids has a super strong passion for something as an individual. And we feel like it's something our family is stewarding, you know, this child's passion around this area. So we're going to invest in that. And even though it's not a family thing. Um, and so we, we, we boundary that so that it's not overwhelming. But when it comes to things that are just more general, you know, most of our kids aren't going to be professional athletes or professional musicians, you know, and so um, if, if we, we, what we want is for them to have a musical experience or a sports experience, you get all the goodness from, you know, a church, you know, with church and schooling, then, then let's find like avenues that, that we can do as collectively as a family. And, and so we can, you know, get all the benefits of, of growing together relationally. Um, and also just not being in this terribly hectic, um, situation where we're just running our kids every different direction to try to get them into their individual, uh, individual things, which ultimately then constructs this hyper individualistic um, sort of personality where they believe that's the way the world works. And, and you know, if, if we, we care about our multi-generational family, that's not really helping our kids become great parents into the future. Um, so we got we to gotta like understand that, that we are really, we see these things differently. That's, that's why like when we have conversations with families, I always want to take a step back and just say, hey, before we get into any of these practical elements, you have to decide what kind of family you want to build. If you want to build a nest where your kids are, you know, where your family is a springboard for individual success, then go for it. There are tons and tons of resources for that kind of a family. Everything's constructed around that kind of idea. I just don't believe that was what was in God's heart when he created the family. And so that tends to break down. It tends to break down marriages. It tends to break down sibling relationships. It, it doesn't honor the generational connections between grandparents and you know children and, and grandchildren or extended families. Like none of that makes much sense in that world. Um, and so, but if you're going to shift and decide to be a multi-generational team on mission, then there's not going to be a lot of stuff going on in the culture that's going to um, going to be uh, going to work well. It's not going to be designed for that kind of a family idea. And so you're going to have to do the hard work of figuring out, okay, well, what kind of, you know, how do we do this? How do we, how do we do church, school, um, sports, or other activities, hobbies, um, relationships in a way that honors this idea? Wow. I love that. You know, my wife and I will talk a lot. It's funny. You, I love that you use the term team because we've been trying to think of sports that are less team specific because we feel like, you know, school team sports, but I love that when you're your own team, you get to find sports and find activities to support your own team. And I, and I love that you can use that language within your home. Um, you, you know, uh, it's so funny how there's some words that all of a sudden just are like taboo in some circles and the word, you know, patriarchal, like, it's like people bring that up and they're like, that's like the worst thing that you could ever be as patriarchal, even though it's not a really de- de- depicted that way in the Bible. That said, I think it probably has been portrayed in unhealthy ways 
throughout, you know, throughout man's sinful history, you know, there's been an abuse of authority within that. How do you see this looking in a multi-generationally where there is, you know, you, your father, you want to, you are the patriarch, we are the patriarchs, but what does that mean in a healthy Christian biblical sense? Yeah. Well, one of the things that's unfortunate is that some sociologists um, about 60 years ago um, invented a brand new word called the, the patriarchy. It was, it's a word if you actually look up on um, Google has a has a tool where you can see the first use of a word in in any literature in history that, that is in the in, in English language. And the word patriarchy is a very new word. It was invented to mean the oppression of women by men. Hmm. Um, it's a very unfortunate word because it it obviously borrows from the word you used, which is a very ancient word you know, the patriarch or patriarchal. Like those are older words, which just simply means, you know, when, when a father is willing to lead his family um, and sacrifice for his family. And so we, we live in a culture where 60% of children spend some part of their childhood outside of the home of their biological father. We have, we have, we have what, you know, sociologists, psychologists have admitted is the worst father crisis in human history. And yet what we think is the best way to deal with that is to attack the idea of fathers sacrificing to love and, and lead their families. Like that, 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 that could not be a worse uh, way of trying to deal with this crisis. Um, the crisis is that we've designed an idea of family that, that, makes, that doesn't resonate with fathers at all. We told them that, that, that essentially their job as fathers is to, is to nurture chicks in a nest and that they know that those, that nest is going to self-destruct in 20 years you know, after their kids leave and, and it's all going to start over again and they'll, they'll be forgotten and, and, and nothing, no, nothing really is going to be lasting. But what you do in your career with your own individual status, what you can build in a business, um, those are all things that last and those are things that, that you can be proud of. And so, of course, this is ripping the family apart. So, yeah, I, I would say that we do need to, um, to recapture this idea and we need to say, like, yes, the, the idea of a patriarch is not one who dominates his family, but one that sacrifices for the family team. The father should sacrifice first and sacrifice most. And I think one of the reasons that 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 makes sense to me about why this breakdown occurred in this in our language is that if you believe that a family is a springboard for individual individual success, and then you give power to one member of that family, then inevitably that that person, that individual, is going to use their power for their own individual success. Mm. What a weird idea. Mm. But if you believe that the family is a team and that the father is a leader of the team and that his success is really invested in how his team does, then giving somebody, you know, we, we don't say how dare somebody call themselves a coach of that team. Mm. Like that is so, you know, you know, that, that is so unhealthy and toxic for there to be authority in a team. Like for somebody to actually have to call the plays, nobody says that. In fact, if you ever saw a team without a coach or without an authority structure, you would say they're going to lose every single game. Like they're going to get crushed. Um, and if you see a team with a really robust authority structure in which the, the coach loves his teammates and are his players and works with them and, and invests in them and sees their success as his success, you'd say, well, that's a beautiful thing, you know, and that's exactly what the patriarch idea was that, that that's, that's where it came from. And so I think this is part of the problem is we just, we shift definitions of family. And when we did that, we really, uh, the father no longer has a job in the modern Western family. You know, it's essentially a, a maternal nurturing vision of the household um, that doesn't have any room for this kind of 
team coach sort of uh, atmosphere that I think men were really wired and built for. And, and so, of course, they're going to leave the family and find their team and their coaching opportunities in the business world or in the sports world. Um, and this has been an absolute disaster, Mo more, more so for children than for anyone else. Um, and so I think, I think we need to be very careful um, with how we think about these topics because there's so much at stake. It's not just like, it's not, it's not, we're not, we're not trying to fight so that men could have more power. We're, ultimately, we're trying to find, find out why is this, why is the family such a disaster for children? Um, you know, this, it's been a terrible breakdown. And so we need, we need to find what was in God's heart, that what we're experiencing now in the family and how it's, how it has been so destructive for children is, is not because God was a bad architect when he designed the family. We have done something to the family culturally that is. Well, I, I, like I'm so fired up right now hearing this because you just said so many things that stirred in me this, I feel like, God-given healthy masculine desire to lead, to be somebody that does sacrifice for the sake of a greater, a greater cause, a greater good. But as you also said, we haven't seen this portrayed as being something that you can do within the family context as, as a husband or as a father. And I'm, I'm like you said, you always see it outside of the home. Um, and I'm fired up right now just with the language that you're using to be able to have this mindset and this shift of perspective for what my role can be as a father and as a husband. That's so, that is, that's really, I think a, a big deal. And I'm really, really excited about that. Um, I, I'm so grateful for the time that you've given us here, Jeremy. And I know I want to keep diving deeper and deeper into, you know, these things these thought processes, some of these concepts. Um, I know I can do that at familyteams.com. I'm excited to do that. I know our listeners are going to want to do the same thing. Are there other places that you'd like to send people to either, um, you know, read more of your material to, I know you've got a variety of amazing resources on familyteams.com. I was on there today and it's just, there's, you know, there's online courses, there's, you can do, there's free products, there's books, there's a bunch, there's a great variety. Um, is that where you suggest people go? I think so. Um, my partner um, Jeff and Alyssa Bethke, um, Jeff just wrote a book called "Take Back Your Family," which is a tremendous book um, that kind of walks through foundationally what happened to um, this idea of family. I wrote a book called "Family Revision," um, you know, which really kind of lays out the biblical arguments that we've been talking about for how how God sees the family, um, and so th those are really good foundational, you know, uh, elements. Um, and then, yes, like you said, on familyteams.com, you guys will see the coaching and um, we have a mastermind group for, for dads who are entrepreneurs who are looking to um, figure out how to integrate family, faith and, um, and their, uh, their business. And so um, that, that's, that's called integrated. You'll see that at familyteams.com. Um, my other big project I do is, is um, called 1000 Houses. It's at 1kh.org. And so I do coaching intensives. This is really kind of the next level for family teams that are already are really have adopted this idea, but they want to begin to figure out how to do mission or community or disciple making through the household. Um, you know, we don't really know how to do that. Like we get locked up. We're like, okay, if, what if I want to do evangelism through our house? How do we do that? Or what if we wanted to do, you know, community in our house, you know, again, with our kids through the house as a family team, husband and wife. Um, so we coach people who want to begin to, to bring those elements, any one of those three, um, in and through the house. And so that's the other thing. That's at 1kh.org.
Okay, okay, great. I love that. I'm excited to check that out. Um, fantastic. Jeremy, thank you once again for taking the time to encourage me and encourage our listeners. Um, yes, and, and we'll be praying for your ministry. What an awesome thing you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Alicia. Yeah, yeah. it's great being with you. Awesome.